Welcome to Holy Cray Podcast, your dose of holistic healing. I am your host, Cray, giving you a platform where you can speak your truth, be authentic of your own self, no judgment, but love and belongingness and sense of gratitude. Let's all grow together, not only physically, but inwardly. This platform encourages you to really explore that healing within, embodying your authenticity. And as we all heal together, we collectively heal our generation ahead of us. May this platform fill up your soul's desire. Gratefully, Cray. So my name is Delilah Abaya. I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada, and I found myself in California, specifically the Bay Area, which is where I got to meet Cray. Uh, we actually danced together. A little bit about me is I've always been like the jack of all trades, and we're going to find out why I've always embodied that. And so I've just been the kind of person with a lot of hobbies. So at one point I was a pilot, I rode motorcycles, I did bikini competitions, and now my title is more dancer. And we're, we'll dive into more of following these things and breadcrumbs that make me happy um, and how it led to this life of abundance and success. So I am really happy. And I know like one of the people, I mean, you are one of the people who actually inspired me to even like, you know, go into dance. And that's why I have had you back then and talked about that journey and knowing you, how you have grown so much. When was that? That was like two years ago. So mm-hmm. there's a lot that has happened. I know pandemic happened. Everything has changed. Um, One thing that I want to know now, spiritually, we'll go from your spiritual journey, like how are you now compared to who you were before when the very first time of our interview together? What has like significantly changed for you? So that was the beginning of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And during COVID and quarantine, I feel like because we were secluded and locked in, I did deep dive into my spirituality a lot more because all of the distractions that we had as a society were kind of taken away, right? Like our going to the gym, going to the movies, having dinner, all of those things were gone. And so it was a time to look inward. And what's really crazy is um, I took some time off social media. And now that I'm back on, I actually went back and looked at like my old captions. And I'm really proud of myself for using that time to self-reflect and look inward. How spirituality has changed for me before is I'm applying it a lot more and I'm seeing the fruits of my labor now, right? So I would say two years ago, it was planting all these seeds, all, um, all the habits and seeing the signs and understanding the universe. It was in that energy of learning that's what happened before. And then now it's the energy of applying, right? Now I have the knowledge and the tools that I spent a lot of time downloading. And here in the now, two years later, I'm seeing the challenges that are coming to me to test that knowledge, right? So it's like school. I did the semester (laughs) and now it's the exams. And so now in 2022, I feel like I'm breaking that plateau of knowing and doing. 
So before I feel like spirituality, I used it as like this thing that I could research and feel really excited to learn. And then now I'm practicing it. So in short, the last two years, um, that's how, how the spirituality has changed for me is going from this thing that I know and was waiting to like apply and then now actually living it and feeling really happy and at peace. I resonate with that. With every phase of your spiritual journey, there will always be a learning lesson. And like you said, it's like school because earth is school by Dolores. And I believe in that 100%. Everything that we do in this planet, there's, there's got to be something that's serving us to either grow, understand, learn about who we are and why are we existing, right? The thing that I really love about you is that you've never stop actually understanding things that you feel like, yes, there might be an opportunity for you to grow from. And whenever you see an opportunity, you try to really learn and, and make that part of you and bring something, a letter views on, on a new discovery of what you are actually going through in your journey. Can you please share us what have you just recently brought out to light ever since you came back as well on Instagram? And I feel like there's so many people who have really resonated. Yes, of course. Yes. Yes. Can you please tell us how did that go and how do you discover it? So, um, like I said, during COVID, uh, COVID quarantine, all of those distractions uh, were washed away. And all that was left was me and alone time. And I feel like the world was kind of in that hermit space where there's a transformation happening, right? So caterpillar, cocoon, butterfly. So during that time, I could feel that something was wrong and I couldn't articulate what that was. It wasn't, I, I wouldn't say that it was depression because, you know, I would try to figure out if that was the problem, if it was anxiety, it was just a very heavy time for everybody. And something in my gut told me that Instagram and social media was not helping the situation. It was actually another distraction. So now that I, I didn't have dance, I didn't have the gym, I didn't have going to see my friends, I started just mindlessly scrolling for hours. And I think the the moment that I woke up out of it was when um, my puppy was really sick after, you know, getting some shots. And I, I think I like sat on my phone next to her just to make sure she was okay. I think for like 18 hours. <laughs> and whew, like, you know, a lot of us have these like, unhealthy habits but I was like whoa like that's not okay and that's not productive and um something something's off so I told my husband I'm gonna take a detox I feel like I should be applying this time and my energy into something else because this wasn't making me feel good I wasn't learning anything um I felt really stuck and so I took myself off social media um and I didn't think how long uh, it was going to be, I was just going to trust my gut of when to come back. And it ended up being from like November, 2020 to January, 2022. So for the entire year of 2021, I did was not on Instagram. So during that time, you would think that if social media was like the problem with distracting me, that things would get better. Right. But really 
I just found other distractions and the stressors in my life were still the same. So one day I had um, told a friend of mine, he, he wanted to stay over in my guest room. And of course that that's no problem. He was doing like a fitness competition and I love having guests over. And so I set aside like three days to like clean the guest room. And I was like super stressed out about it. And I had another friend, you know, ask me like, Oh, what are you doing? Do you want to hang out tomorrow? And I was like, no, like I had to spend the next three days cleaning the guest room. I'm like really stressed about it. And she asked like, what, you know, what is it that's so stressful? I'm like, Oh, like my luggage in there. And I threw like all the clothes all over the place and I've just been rummaging through it. Like you literally couldn't see the floor in this room. And so she opened up and she's like, you know, I've noticed this before and I never really wanted to say anything because it's very sensitive. Have you ever considered that these stressors in your life are perhaps that you have ADHD? And at first I was like big question mark over my head. And I was like, huh, like I've never considered that before because growing up, like the only example I had of like ADHD would be like a character like Bart Simpson from like the Simpsons, right? Where he is stripped up to the class. He always ha- he gets in trouble. He has to stay for detention and he's trying so hard in school, but like his sister's just naturally smarter or the, the kid that's like spitting spitballs at like other kids. Like that's the only example of ADHD that I had in my head. And if you know me as a person, like I didn't fit into that tiny little box that I thought was ADHD. So she kind of explained it and said that we were really similar and this could be the reason why I get stressed out over these things because um, I think I told her, she had asked me how long like that luggage was in there and I was like, oh, since the Bahamas. And that was three months, three months, this like luggage from the Bahamas stayed in my guest room and I just felt no need to like take care of it. And then it was this huge stressor like I had to spend three whole days to take care of like that sounds like procrastination but really like what caused that procrastination so huge light bulb went off I can't even explain the feeling that I had Cray it was like all of these dim moments in my life there's like this giant floodlight that just turned it turned it on and I could see all of these moments in my life lit up with a deeper understanding of why those things happened. So the more I looked into it, the more I was like, I might have ADHD. And the only way to find out is to get evaluated by a doctor. So from there, I just did a lot more research to see if it resonated. Um, I spoke to like my friends about it. They were all like really confused because, you know, they had their own definition of ADHD and I didn't fit into that. But deep down, like what was happening in my brain, like I was making all the connections and it made sense to me. So I went and I advocated for myself. I tried my best to speak to like my provider, my um, general physician, and immediately got shut down. (laughs) And she basically was like, you know, as an adult, it might be generalized anxiety. And I'm just like, no, I feel this in my gut. Like every box checks out, every little self-evaluation, every TikTok I looked up, hashtag ADHD women, every video was me. (laughs) Like I could relate, had like memes that like made sense to me and videos that 
was like, oh my God, is she calling me out? You know? Yeah. So from there, you know, she dismissed me, but she gave me the number for like psychiatrist department um, to evaluate me. And I called, um, you know, got a number that was like, oh yeah, like leave your information. We'll call you in like two, three weeks to book an appointment. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I wait two, three weeks. I got the call and I thought it would be like the doctor, but instead it's the triage, right? Where they like evaluate you again before like you move forward. And I already had warning that this provider, this insurance provider I had was not very good with mental health. So I already kind of had that, but I was open to receiving whatever help I could get and whatever answers I could get. And the, the triage person on the phone, again, was very dismissive, right? Like I would tell him like what I'm feeling, um, why I think it's ADHD, why I want to get looked at. And, you know, he's typing away and I, he was like on the verge of telling me like, no, like we, this isn't it. And we're, we're just going to send you elsewhere or whatever. And then he like got off the phone and then came back. So maybe like he was typing things in and like, he got a bubble message that said, it checks out to give me an appointment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so he got back on the phone. I was like, okay, um, I'm going to put you through to an appointment. It's in like a month <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, you can go from there. So I got a psychiatrist. Again, I'm the type of person that is going to do my own research and like self-advocate, right? So I looked up the the psychiatrist and like they didn't have very good reviews. I looked up what this insurance provider like does for testing and it was very like old school a lot of people are very dissatisfied and something just told me this wasn't the right move and so I asked my husband and I was like you know we are very blessed to have the resources that we do and in this case I want answers more than anything um so we decided to go the private clinic route that means that we had to pay like out of pocket like we have to pay a premium and 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 it's really sad that something like mental health is in this category of pay to play. Mm -hmm. It's very unfortunate, but I did understand that the urgency of how I was feeling, it was worth paying that. So we had paid um, that, that clinic for myself to get evaluated. It was a one hour zoom call and we went through my childhood moments where I felt like the ADHD was apparent. Um, a lot of the questions are usually about like what happened under 12 and it is hard to remember things like that. What is happening in my life right now that was that the ADHD is affecting my home life, my personal life, my romantic life, my financial life, all of that. And then at the end of the call, uh, he confirmed that I have both the hyperactive symptoms and the, um, the, what's the other word? It's like inattentive, sorry. So hyperactive inattentive. So I have both sides and so I'm considered combined type. So that is the discovery that, you know, led me here. And I don't even like to say the word diagnosed. Okay. So that's something that I've taken upon myself. I agree. Mm-hmm. Now that you've like, you know, you found it, how did it feel? Cause usually what people would perceive it as, you know, there's a lot of stigma about mental health and, and mm-hmm. knowing, you know, like a high functional being like you with all the talents that you have, mm-hmm. knowing you as well as like, you're, you're very in tune with yourself. You're very intuitive. 
how were mm-hmm. you able to now arrive from a place of love and in in this whole change that you are now experiencing how were you able to embody as a gift now going to your spiritual journey how were you able to also integrate them all together so with that and that's where i am so happy that i've had the time to work on that spiritual side of me of reframing negative thoughts working on the way i speak to myself um, negative self-talk seeing things in a positive light but not in like a toxic positivity way where like everything's rainbow and sunshine you know so i feel like i received this information when i was ready to accept it and take it on fully lean into it and so how for me i was so happy and i know that sounds like really crazy because again there is so much stigma so much misinformation out there that people think having add or adhd is like a bad thing but for me it explained all the things in my life that i struggled with and having that explanation is like finally understanding myself in ways that i could not articulate since i was a child right so how i reframed it is like i said i don't even like to use the word diagnosed because that comes with like a negative connotation right you you're diagnosed with 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 the disease and you're diagnosed with um you know pain for me under knowing what was happening in my brain was a discovery so i am very conscious of saying that and the way i saw my brain after was that this is a superpower a lot of people think that it's like almost like a disability but i am like a high functioning person thanks to like the way my brain was able to take these challenges and not let it bring me down but even work that much harder to like accomplish things because i was dealing with these invisible struggles that no one knew about or no one could even understand unless you also have the same brain so how i like to um describe <laughs> describe it in my own way um that makes sense to me i love like analogies and like metaphors you know that is that x-men character um scott summers where he has like the laser beam eyes and they can be very destruct- destructive right like it's it's this immense power that he has but if he doesn't have the tools he could destroy things like and that affects him um you know his relationships his home like he could blow up his car whatever but harnessing that power when he finally found a place that was accepting and got the tools he is now able to force that and it's so powerful like he could you know attack all the villains and and do whatever he needs to do and that suit that power that used to be in control of him now he is in control of so for me my ADHD when i didn't know about it 
was that feeling of like, why am I like this? And why can't I um, like put the laundry away? Or why can't I do the dishes? And why do I quit things? Like all of these things that were so negative in my life. And then now that I know about it, I understand what it is. And now the understanding is like this huge compassion and self-love for myself for going through that and not even knowing that I was going through it. And then now harnessing that power, learning all the tools to make my own set of goggles (laughs) and embracing the superpower that I have. Right. So to like the civilians, it's like, oh, that's weird. They can shoot laser beams out of their eyes. But to people like me who also are neurodivergent, right? I want to shift that stigma and that perspective and reframe it to something like so positive and so powerful. So that's what I've been doing to lean into it more because I can't change that I was born with this brain. I really can't. There's nothing I can do about it. There, you know, um, there's not like a surgery that's going to change it. There's not any like meditation that's going to change it. It's literally the physical physiological brain that I was born with and it's a shame that people are made to feel like they're not good enough or it's a bad thing but it's only because they don't know how to put those goggles on and use it (laughs) so that's how I've been able to reframe it wrapping things up from how you went through to accepting it is just embodying and you're living with it with no shame and guilt. Mm-hmm. And that's like super empowering to hear. But to you, like you're going to bring so much light into so many people who feel so or still like, you know, hesitant to even bring it up that they have this because of huge stigma mm-hmm. from the society. And, and that's, why, that's why I said I'm excited to talk about this with you because we're going to bring awareness and so it's going to be like healing for everyone and seeing that it's possible to live with it from a place of love. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. what you said, you arrive with it with compassion and self-love that, you know, you're forgiving yourself from feeling, you know, incapable before and not feeling good enough. But now it's like, oh, it's actually, it made sense. And this is how it is. Mm-hmm. So now with your everyday life, how were you able, how are you now? Like, how are you able to function as a whole with, with this discovery? How are you able to navigate with who you are now? I mean, is there some grieving from your old self or is it more of like an empowered state? I think that, when someone goes through like a discovery like this, it really is like a tower moment, like a transformation moment. And there will be grieving. The day that I had taken the medication for the first time, my brain was quiet for the first time in my life. But how was I supposed to know that? How was I supposed to know that your brain is usually quiet and my husband's brain is usually quiet? I called my husband and I was like, is this what your brain feels like all the time? And he was so confused. I had no idea that I was functioning like I had 
three radios and 10 TVs and like a whole concert playing in my brain my whole life. I thought that was normal and that it was my job to like get over that. Right. And that's where the mental exhaustion was so heavy for me that I would like wake up with after like nine hours of sleep, that's so many sleep cycles and still be exhausted. And the way that I could explain how that feels like is when you're in school and college and you had final exams and you studied like day and night and went through all the exams, how mentally tired you are after that week of exams. I felt like that every single day. And I had no idea why, because I wouldn't actually be doing anything mentally exhausting. I wouldn't do anything physically exhausting, but I would never get enough sleep. So once I took that medication and the next day I woke up and I was like, I'm not tired. Oh my God. And it's because, you know, that helped fill like the gap of what was going on in my head and turn off those radio stations, those TVs and the concert happening so that I could actually just do what I had to do. So the grieving came from like almost in a way, like wishing I had known sooner (sighs) what my life would have been like had, you know, my parents had the tools to like figure that out. Right. Um, Being Vietnamese and in the Asian community, like mental health is not, it doesn't exist sometimes, unfortunately. And so part of me, you know, sat there just in this weird daydream of like who I could have been and all the things I could have achieved had I known. And that's okay because that that's part of like the five stages of grief, right? At first it's like you're in denial of like of it and then you're angry and then you're bargaining. I feel like this was me in that bargaining stage. And so luckily I have the support system that I had and I spoke to my friend Kayla, who's a doctor of psychology and she's a therapist. I can't be more thankful for her. And the way she reframed that was like, I just took the scenic route to where I'm supposed to be. (laughs) I got to like smell the roses and like stop and learn how to paddleboard at the lake. But I'm still exactly where I'm supposed to be, regardless of had I known before and had I known now. Right. So nothing really changes. But then a part of me was also, you know, after I I sat with that information, I realized how amazing my life is because of my ADHD. (laughs) I just didn't know it, right? Because in that moment, I'm feeling sadness of all the the things that I quit that I could have been a master. I could have been an expert and so amazing at. And an example of that was um, my aviation. Like I went to school to become a pilot. I wanted to be a commercial pilot. Now I realize that once the excitement and that drive to get my license went away, there was nothing anchoring me to that goal anymore. And I could not push through my ADHD symptoms to fully achieve that dream. Now I know that and I can forgive myself because I've been carrying that shame of being like a college dropout my whole life. But now I'm like, I get it. It was, it was my ADHD and that's okay. And it doesn't define me at all. (laughs) It's just, you know, also leaving that led me to um, loving this love of fitness. And that love of fitness, you know, led me to my husband. It led me to moving to California. Then when fitness no longer was that thing for me, it was dance. And I met you and this huge, you know, friend group that I have. 
So my ADHD literally led me here. Talk about the symptoms a little bit. And again, these this is all information that I've gathered on my own based on my own research to understand what's happening in my brain because that understanding helps me, again, find compassion and self-love for myself that it's not me and I'm not a problem. It's just something that's happening in my physical body like if your shoulder was sore, if you learned how to stretch that shoulder, then you feel better and you can work with it, right? So the symptoms, um, what's happening in a brain with ADHD, from my understanding, is there is not the same production of dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine as someone who's neurotypical. So because of that, our brain is constantly in search of those chemicals, those brain chemicals. What that means is we're always distracted if the thing in front of us doesn't give us those things. And so that applies to like doing the laundry, doing dishes, doing homework that we don't like. However, if we find something that lights us up, going back to that superpower with the goggles, like hyper focus. And so I don't even like to call it a symptom. It really is like a superpower of my ADHD is hyperfixation. If I am aroused and excited enough about something, I can learn anything and everything about that topic and not be distracted. So with hyperfixating, I was able to just like look up all these things and research and gather information and download it. And I, I like to tell you that I'm like an encyclopedia. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I like to learn as much as I can about like a topic. And until I exhaust that topic and it's no longer exciting to learn about, I move on to the next thing. So I'm just like all these little chapters of an encyclopedia <laughs> of my brain. And then another symptom, you know, is distractibility. So where that uh, dopamine affects or sorry, where those brain chemicals affect distractibility is when we're doing something that does our brain is searching for it everywhere. It's scanning everything. It's telling us all these things of where to find dopamine because it translates to and how that manifests in like everyday life would be if I'm doing the dishes, there's no dopamine for me to do the dishes. It's not exciting. It's not fun. I don't find it satisfying. So my brain will say, hey, you know, we're almost out of dishwasher pods and and um, Target's where the dopamine is. So like, let's go to Target and buy dopamine pods. And mind you, I didn't even finish loading the dishwasher and my my body is already in the car driving to Target. And then this is every single day. This is every single task that I have. Like how exhausting is that, that I'm constantly fighting myself to get things done. And just because there's no natural dopamine attached to it, my brain is literally like pulling teeth to get me to stop doing that and find something else to do. Your brain is fighting you. Your brain needs something and it's going to do whatever it needs to do to get that thing. What's happening now, you know, to fix that for myself is Um, the severity of ADHD depends on, you know, the brain. And it, I guess there's like tests and uh, it's kind of like a trial and error to figure out how big that gap is. So I like to use the analogy of a bridge. There's, it's where you are and like the task that needs to get done, depending on the severity of how much or how little your brain creates those chemicals is how big that, that bridge is. For some people, their ADHD could just be if they journal and meditate every day, that's enough to fill that gap. 
for some people, they can journal, they exercise, they do all these things, and that fills that gap. For other people, they can do all those things and still can't get to the other side of finishing that task. And that's where medication comes in. And I know that there's so much stigma to taking that kind of medication, especially because for some reason, ADHD medication is what is widely abused by neurotypical people, right? So it's this thing that people use that they're not supposed to, but then the people who need it, it makes it that much harder for them to get it, which is like really, really sad. And I experienced that myself. So if there's anyone who has that like impression that like, oh, you can just focus and you can, you can just meditate and all your symptoms will go away. Unless you have this brain, you will never know what it feels like. Right. And you really don't think that a person like myself, I'm spiritual, I'm a high performer, that I've exhausted all of my other options. Right. And so one of my favorite YouTubers is, um, it's called how to ADHD. And she explains things in ways that like I love because again, she has ADHD and she can educate people. What she says is if your brain doesn't make dopamine, store-bought is fine. (laughs) And it's the cutest thing, right? Because that's okay. And and I know for you, um, you shared your own, um, you know, medical and and discoveries, right? And it's like, if, if the doctor said, hey, like, this is going to help you, of course, you're going to find alternative ways as best you can. But again, if there's, you did everything you could, and there's this little bit that it's tr- like, you can't get to the other side, it's okay for medication to be those last couple planks. And that's what I learned from how to ADHD as well. I appreciate you sharing this so much because I know how from a perspective of someone who had chronic illness, who was functioning from a very, it's an internal, it's an autoimmune disease. So it's like an internal disease. So it's like on the outside, I look, I look okay. I look perfectly fine. And I resonate how you experience it. Like, you know, you thought your tasks, the things that you do is just by normal people would perceive it's just like, oh, you're just lazy or probably oh, you know, they're just going to brush it off. I have no specific ways of understanding until I was at the worst end of my disease where I had to go in and out of the hospital. And now seeing you, like, it it just like brings so much light into this, especially mental health, you know, in our Asian community, how you've just mentioned there, it's, it's such a big taboo to talk about this in our household. So there's no safe space at all to even like provide resources, support from our family. Like I've, no, there's nothing to even like talk about. No one taught me how to meditate, to go out and hike when you're feeling like anxious or anything. So I appreciate you sharing that. Like the, there's such a different spectrum of viewing it from a place of self-love and compassion. So thank you so much for sharing this. That's why I'm I am, I wanted to highlight this to everyone who's going through any, any mental health that they feel like they still want to hide it. And they still feel like, you know, a shame or even afraid Mm -hmm. to ask help. This is the, D has like Mm -hmm. literally exhausted her, most of her options. She's very spiritual too. She goes through, she, she does meditation, does EFT. She tried everything. And if you haven't tried, give yourself 
at least a credit to seek help, ask for a friend or share your struggle with someone. Because that's the only way you can start opening things up mm-hmm. and understand what you're going through. And I feel like that's what you are mentioning now with mm-hmm. the support that you've had. That's super important to highlight. And also how you didn't see it as a form of deficiency or a disability, but see it as a superpower. What are the things that you could advise to our community or even the Asian community or for anyone who's still struggling to bring this to light or for anyone who have a hard time to even show compassion with themselves on what they're going through or who is already, who have discovered this already and still doubting themselves to seek help or afraid to seek help. What could you advise or what would be your advice for them right now? I feel like the best way for me to describe what it feels like to finally get an answer and then how that feels and how that has changed my life is um, explaining that uh, when I had gone to San Diego, um, I ended up renting a Tesla. I had never like driven a Tesla before. Um, My husband and I were interested in like purchasing one. So I rented one and the person that rented to me just assumed that I like knew how to like work it. So I got in the Tesla and for the life of me, I couldn't figure out how to turn it on. And it's San Diego. So it's getting hot. I couldn't get the windows down. I was just like, how do I turn on this car? I think it was like 10, 15 minutes. We were trying to figure out how to turn it on. So finally, I just like went on YouTube and Google and just like looked it up. And so I turned it on. Okay, cool. Like now we're driving. I'm, I'm starting to figure everything out. And I'm like, okay, this isn't too bad. Like this is really different than a regular car, but there's a learning curve, right? So I realized that the reason why everyday life was so hard and I just always felt like something was wrong and I was resisting something going against the current was because I had like a Tesla brain, but my whole life I was given a Toyota manual. Like I never knew how to use my brain. I never knew how to turn it on. I never knew anything. Right. So of course my life was frustrating because I was trying to apply what I knew about driving like a regular car into the Tesla and it didn't work. I can't turn it on. (laughs) I can't make it go. I can't do anything with it. Right. And so that's why it was so frustrating. But now that I have, I know it's a Tesla brain and okay. So what did I do? I went on Google. I went on YouTube figured it out. So now I have this manual, which is looking up like Reddit communities and and the support group and articles and YouTube videos that are specifically written, made, recorded for me. And they understand me. They're giving me tips on how to like use my brain and live in flow. So that's how my everyday has changed because if I ever come to a point where I feel like I'm not in flow and I'm resisting, hey, what, what, why am I so messy? So I'll look up a video like ADHD and like clutter. A video will pop up that says the difference between clutter in motion and clutter in stasis. Wait, what is that? Why has no one ever taught me that? What does that mean? 
And it means that with my ADHD brain, there's two different kinds of clutter. There's clutter in motion, which is me drinking this coffee mug right now. And so once I'm, I'm using it, once I'm done, I'm going to put it in the sink, right? But then the problem with my ADHD is if this cup stays on my desk long enough, and again, that's different for everyone, and my brain will believe that it's part of the furniture, and I will leave it there empty and not clean. So I never knew why I did these things. But now that I know that I have like this Tesla brain, I can look it up. And now that I understand, I'm like, oh, so that's, that's why I do that. And so from there, I can figure out how to prevent that. My home needs to be a lot more ADHD friendly. I need to create habits where like I make sure that the clutter in motion gets put away right away. So it doesn't become clutter in stasis. But then also how my everyday has changed is now I'm no longer frustrated when I see a cup that's left there. I'm no longer frustrated. I'm no longer mad at myself. I have compassion because it's my brain and I'm just learning how to live with it. Like I only figured this out in October, I think, around, around Halloween. So that self-compassion, I can be like, okay, well, now I learned that chapter of the manual and I'm going to go and fix it. And then when that thing comes up again, I'm like, oh, yeah, it was it was this part of the manual. That's OK. So my every day has changed so much thanks to therapy, thanks to the medication, thanks to just being at peace with this discovery where when I have these challenges, I can look up resources, look up on the manual myself or hire a mechanic, which is like my therapist, right, <laughs> to fix my car. The therapist teaches me cognitive behavioral therapy, which is being able to like have the life skills to live with this brain. Because again, same thing, I can't change it and I can't go back in time. I can't change my genetics. I can't have surgery to fix it. So how do I live and flow with it? And that is what the therapist is able to do. And in my, in my brain, I think she's a mechanic and she's going to help me with my car brain. <laughs> And it was extremely frustrating because I thought something was truly wrong with me because I couldn't figure it out. I feel like I cried so much after reading these slides. And I feel like I want to post it like on my Instagram and, and make a video about it because it finally explained how I was feeling. It finally articulated what it feels like to have this brain in a neurotypical world. Yeah. So <clears throat> the image is like of a cartoon character and she's like in water. And she's holding little fruit that says, shower, laundry, eat oatmeal. <laughs> and the caption says, I thought life was like walking through water that's up to your waist with a constant current pushing against everything you do. Sometimes the water level is lower and a bit easier, but sometimes it's much higher. Or worse, intense stress has turned the water to mud and it's even harder. And she's reaching for a fruit that has simple homework on it. The next slide says, a lot of things were hard to get, some even impossible. It was easier to go with the current, go where my brain decided to lead me. And it shows her in flow and she's picking up a piece of fruit that says art. And then there's more fruit that says new hobby, new video game. And then the next slide says, I learned to prioritize over the years. And it shows her with a map. It says mountain of homework, minefield of social interaction, swamp of forgotten tasks, forest of daily chores and then her brain bubble says okay if I wake up at five every day 
I should have extra time for homework. And then the caption says, I thought I chose what was worth my energy, but there never seemed to be enough time. And then it shows her with a classmate. Hey, what did you do for your presentation? I'm doing X, Y, Z. And then her face says, oh, no, 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 no. I forgot. I forgot. The next slide says, I was baffled by people who were able to get so much done in a day. I didn't know what they did differently. And then I guess she asked, maybe I just wasn't trying hard enough. Next slide says, the morning I took my first pill, I went about my day expecting to discover it wasn't there. I was walking on the water and reaching for things and it felt almost effortless. She just realized neurotypical people don't have to walk against the current at all. The realization filled me with grief. I spent my whole life thinking I was lazy and stupid that I wasn't trying hard enough. I cried for my past self for the struggle she faced alone. And then the final slide says, if only she'd known that she wasn't lazy, she wasn't stupid. She was pushing as hard as she could in a world that wasn't built for her. A fish trying to climb a tree. And so, I've just been going against the current this whole time and I had no idea. And now that I understand the current, I understand what's going on. There's no longer that comparison with other people. Yeah. And that's, you know, where that self-love comes from. And now I know how to naturally go with that flow, right? Following things that bring me joy. And then with things that are really difficult, I, I do have that help with the medication that lowers that current so that I'm not exhausting myself mentally, emotionally, and physically to do things that seem very basic and very easy for other people. Hey. So that's how like leaning into it has like really changed my life. Yeah, so you just basically took your power back thinking that there's something wrong with you but it's in fact it's actually who you are and that's what mm -hmm. i love about that story too it's like don't force yourself that you or compare yourself to other people where their brain doesn't function the same as how you are and it's that's the thing i i believe uh this is Lamarck. I believe that the theory of this cell that every cell has individual characteristics that they have that, you know, that it could never be the same, but we are all connected in, in, in a way. But with you, it's just like embodying that characteristics that you have cellularly and, and, and just bringing that light. So thank you so much Dee. thank you for being here today thank you for sharing that wonderful story i feel like the lesson that i could share with my audience right now is really embodying who you are and mentally spiritually physically it's just like you have to see things in light and, and mental health in any way or in any form it's absolutely vital to to appreciate what you are going through inside, not depreciate who you are. But if you're struggling inside, seek help, lean into a support. Because mm -hmm. what I love about you too is like you don't you don't feel ashamed of seeking therapists. But in old, you know, in old old beliefs, right there, having a therapist is such there's a huge stigma about it. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much. Thank you, D. There's anything else what you can advise for anyone that about their mental health state in any form or in any way that you could 
uplift them or any empowerment, what would you tell them? I think personally, I've always been like a very vocal and what has really helped me pull about it. I was so excited about my discovery that I told like every person and I never realized what that did for me on a spiritual level was being secretive and quiet and not speaking my truth about who I truly was, was letting this thing, this diagnosis have power over me. The more I used my throat chakra and talked about it and connected with people about it, just scream it on top of a mountain. I know that's not for everyone, but this is what I did. The more I did that, the less power it had over me because it was nothing to be ashamed of. The more people I told, the less shame I felt. People don't want to talk about it, but why not? It is who you are. And yes, it is okay to keep things private, especially if you're going through something really, really hard. But at the same time, if people don't know what you're struggling with, how can they be there for you? And how can they make space for you? My friends were blown away by like how much I was teaching them about ADHD and how little they actually knew. And they're starting to apply it and be more patient with people that they, or with children that they see that have ADHD, which is amazing. So for anyone that's going through anything that is similar to me, ADHD, bipolar, depression, your loved ones want to help you but they can't do that if they have no idea what it is you're going through, right? I'm not saying you have to be like me and share all of your personal stuff on a podcast. That That is not for everyone. But the people who love you want nothing more than to be by your side and to help you through it. But the only way that they can help is to know what it is that, they're, that you're going through. And let's say there is some pushback. Okay, then that person is not meant to help you through what it is that you're going through. But you'd be very surprised how many people are willing to learn and they're open to doing that. So I am really thankful for like the support group that I've had. And, and the, again, the more research and the more understanding I have for myself, the more I can educate other people so that when I am doing something that might be frustrating for them, that is a, a symptom of my ADHD, I can ex- explain that to them and they can give me grace, right? And for me, be, that translated into I'm no longer masking all the things that I used to hide of myself. I am fully embracing who I am and not hiding that part of me anymore. But that comes from sharing it to the point where, because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Yes. It is something that I was born with and, and something that a lot of people go through. And the more we keep it secret, the more power all of this mental health stuff has over us. Everyone is going through something. There's no shame in therapy, medication, whatever holistic healing that you're interested in. I have a like a whole glam squad of healing practitioners. I have you for Reiki. I literally have a friend who's a therapist. I have an actual therapist. You know what I mean? Like this is the new wave and the new chapter of healing. I think the whole collective is moving from the self-development 
world where it's all about external external validation, external success to really inward self development and self healing. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So for anyone who is really struggling with this, if this is something that you need to speak about anonymously, Reddit has been a huge resource for me because you're anonymous on there. You can find people who resonate with you just by looking up what it is you're struggling with. There's groups for bipolar, there's groups for depression, there's groups for OCD. And for me, I found a home in the ADHD group. They're asking questions that I also have questions about and people are answering. It's a beautiful thing. So the more you lean into it, the more you can start embracing that and stop going against the current. Thank you so much, Dee. Such a beautiful story and very empowering, very enlightening and truly a great awakening for everyone. I mean, this time in our life, like the collective in itself, they're absolutely so true. Everybody's transitioning now from the validation that we're all seeking to inward validation. So I appreciate your time. We'll definitely input all of the resources that you've mentioned throughout our conversation. So for anyone who is, who wanted to connect more with Dee, I will drop her Instagram there and all of the resources that she has mentioned for, for ADHD. So you guys have, like if you're someone who's who think or might have different questions, you can also look into the description below. Don't forget to subscribe and rate this episode because this is really such a great conversation. This is going to bring so much light to you guys. So connect more with you. Feel like she's so open out there in her Instagram. Very, very lovely person, guys. So thank you so much, Dee. I love you. You're welcome. <laughs> love you, Karen.